Today we will pick up with part two of our sermon from last week. From a glorious mountaintop experience to a battle in the valley. As you know, we were able to speak on two of the points last week. And today we're going to pick up with point three. But what I am going to do, I am going to read again the scripture from last time, which is Matthew 17, 9, and then we're going to move over to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. I will primarily be focusing on Mark chapter 9, the last two verses, 28 and 29. Would you please stand with me? Lord, we have gathered in this place to honor and to worship you. And we, have th- we thank you for what has already transpired up to this point. As we now prepare to hear the message of your word, we pray that we will be attentive and that, and that you will give us ears to hear. We do love you and thank you for the privilege of being able to call upon the name of of the Lord. We pray that when we come off the mountain that we will prepare for battle in the valley. We cannot remain up on the mountaintop, but we must return to the valley to walk in the valley. Yes, it is wonderful to be able to experience those times when it seems like nothing could get us down. But we know that those times are short-lived. But we pray today that when we're there, that we will always know that just like you are with us on the mountain, you too are with us in the valley. We do love you and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 17, verse 9. Matthew chapter 17, verse 9, and then we will move over to Mark 9, 14 through 29. And this is what Matthew 17, verse 9 says. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And I did read these last week, but just for the context, I will read them again. And then I will give you the two points from last week and then address point number 3 and 4 today. Mark chapter 9, verse 14, beginning. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them. And scribes arguing with them, and immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed, and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth. And becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able. 
And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on him and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Thank you, Sister Michelle. From a glorious mountaintop experience to a battle in the valley. The two points from last week I will just mention to you and then go to my third point. Point number one last week was the return to the, to the disciples and the problem. The return to the disciples and the problem. It was when, when Jesus and the three had come down the mountain, they encountered a problem as the scribes were arguing with the disciples. And we noted that. So the return to the disciples and the problem. Point number two last week was the rebuke for unbelief. That would be Mark Chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. The rebuke for unbelief. Jesus called them in that passage. As I'll just read it, 19 of Mark, excuse me, chapter 9, 19 through 21, he says, And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Today we pick up with point number three, questioning Jesus' power, questioning Jesus' power, primarily taken from Mark 9, 22 through 27. Whatever faith that this man had is shaken when the disciples are not able to free the son's demonic attacks. This father had come to more than likely see Jesus, but he is not there. But 
He then says, well, since Jesus is not there, as he's most like, most likely he's talking to himself, I'll ask the disciples. They've been with him. They are his disciples. They can help me. And so he asked the disciples to cast out the demon that had been afflicting this man's son. Now, one would think that the disciples would be able to perform this miracle as they had already been sent out by the Lord two by two to not only heal the sick but to preach the word of God, to anoint those as well. But they were able to, in the Lord's name and through the empowering of Jesus himself, they were able to bring about or to work miracles. But in this situation here, we have a problem because the disciples are not able to do what needs to be done to bring relief to this man's son. And so when the man tells Jesus what the problem is, Jesus wastes no time in calling the father's unbelief into question. If you can, I would like for you to heal my son. And Jesus says, if. Now the man needs to be commended as he quickly says, Lord, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, we can get that way when we're called into question at times by what we say. We say, I believe, I believe. Well, do you really? Yes, yes, I really do believe it. I'm having a problem in this one little area. This man, as you think about it, had to re- he had to be looking for relief for a long time. He had been searching and wanting his son to be healed as this demon is trying to kill his son. The little belief that he had was shaken as it is expressed in the word if. Whatever hope he may have had in coming to Jesus and then encountering and bringing his son to the disciples, his faith is further shaken. Whatever faith was already shaken, it is shaken even further. Have you ever been in a place to where you had a little faith and even that seems to be shaken? You said that I, I've, I've reached the end of my rope. I can't go any further. I can't go down anymore. I can't have any more difficulties hit me. And boom, you're hit again with a major problem. Then you say, if one more thing happens, and that one more thing happens, it is amazing that when we look at faith in Jesus, he wants us to have no doubt. Do you not know what the number one problem that people have? is unbelief. We were discussing that in Bible study on, on, on a Tuesday up in Petaluma. Unbelief, unbelief, that is very offensive to God because it tells God that something just can't be done by him. He can't do it. And so when this man says, if, the Lord says, if, and I can imagine that this man's heart starts pounding, Lord, 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 I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a part of me that, Lord, is, is right now having a problem. Now, that's honesty. You see, there are times to where we really are struggling and we act like everything is okay. 
When a person asks, how are you doing today? He says, oh, wonderful. I'm, I'm blessed today, yes? But when you, if you were to ask about how are you really doing, you know, I'm running into a few difficulties. The first and the quickest response often is to say, I'm great. But if you were to press that a little bit more, you would really find out that there's a problem that people have and they're struggling. You see, Jesus takes serious offense when God's power is relegated to unbelief. It's offensive to him. Because if God can't do something, it means it just can't be done. This man is an example of us when we have been so discouraged that when we are so down because of our situation that we believe not even God will be able to change the situation. Some of you have even said, this not, it doesn't even, it don't, don't even bother God. It, it doesn't even matter now. It's too far gone. You've heard people say, not even God could change this. Have you ever said that this, this is beyond even God's help? I know you've said, if anything can be done, only God can do it. But some of you have also been to the place where you said, not even God can change this situation. Even Adam, even, even, even Abraham and Sarah, they were at a place to where they said that it's taken too long. God has not come through. We've got to take matters into our own hands. You see, there are times when we think that we need to help God out. God does not need your help. If you have not known, God doesn't need your help. But you know what God wants? He wants your faith in him. Now note this. The smallest amount of faith, now not faith in faith, but in God will see God do incredible things that no one else can do. The smallest amount of faith in God, we'll see incredible things take place. Now, when Jesus asked this man, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood, he's been having this problem with this demon. From childhood, he's still a young boy, but from childhood, this has been happening to him. So all the things that's been happening, this father is discouraged. As he gives a story. But he's come to the right person. He's come to the right one. Because only Jesus can change your situation. And so we have Jesus say to this man. All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out. I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Now when Jesus saw that a crowd came running. He rebuked the demon. Now, now get this. Evidently, the Lord had taken this boy and the father aside. And as I mentioned last week, you know, people come oftentimes to see when there's a fight or there's a problem. They came running because many of them came hoping to see a miracle. Jesus had already called them a faithless generation, already said, how long am I going to be with you? And so these people come running to see what Jesus is going to do. Before the rest of them could get there, Jesus rebukes this demon in this little boy. Now, let's look at this. Then Jesus rebukes the demon. He commands the demon 
to come out of him and not to return. Now, when we note this, we note that this boy evidently he's deaf and he's mute. As we were mentioning on Wednesday, all sickness is not the result of sin in that person's life, but all sickness is a result of sin. It is the result of the fallen nature of man. When we were looking on Wednesday at a passage where it says that Jesus sighed when he's about to heal a person, and we spent some time talking about, well, what does that sign mean? And when we came to finally discover that the sign was Jesus' frustration with the matter of sin and the effects of sin on people. Not frustrated with the person, he's frustrated with the effects of sin. And you've got to imagine, as Jesus is heading to the cross, he knows that he's going to deal with the matter of moral sin, but Jesus also has compassion for the physical needs of people. So while this crowd comes running, he rebukes the demon and tells this demon not to return. You don't oftentimes see Jesus telling the demon not to return, but in this case he tells him not to return. Now isn't it interesting that the disciples, nine of them, are there and they cannot deal with what this boy is dealing with, with this demonic attack. They are not able to exercise the demon. And Jesus says, bring him to me. And on the way, this demon convulsed the boy. And the Lord stops. Get this. There are times when you say, God, I need a deliverance right now. And the Lord may pause. You find in the book of Mark where the Lord seems to be going to a place. And then that story or where he is heading is, is intercepted and interrupted by another event before he reaches where he's going. It is incredible when you think about what God does, It seems what he does in your life. It seems like he takes detours in meeting your needs. Like he oftentimes delays in getting there. Have you ever thought, God, what's taking so long? I needed deliverance yesterday. But the one thing that God knows, he knows everything from the beginning to the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. You are not. You are who you are. But you see, God has a plan. He orchestrates everything according to a plan. And while you think I can't go any further, the Lord will oftentimes send a, de- he'll send a detour in your life. And if you're not careful, you will say, God, if you had been here, remind you of a person in the Bible, This would not have happened. But if you are a child of God, he orchestrates events in your life. He is always pushing you to trust more and more in him. Do you believe? You see, with me, God says there's nothing that's impossible. The reason that some of us cannot get out of certain things is because God is still doing a work on us in the situation. And he's going to let you know, I'm going to bring you through 
But there are things that you've got to learn and get while you go through. So you see, sometimes we want to get to point A to B. I tell you, when we were traveling back east, it wasn't a matter. It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't something about sightseeing. We weren't going sightseeing. My dad meant to leave 23 Park Circle and get to 511 Buchanan Street, northeast or northwest. What was it? Northwest, it was to get there in the shortest amount of time possible. Sightseeing, making a trip out of it? No. Here, dear, that's where we're going. Some other people, oh, they want to take 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 days. They're going to just enjoy the ride. No, no, no. He wanted to get there. It seems at times when we are going somewhere, God will delay. He'll wait. He'll just at the point where you think. The answer is there. Here comes a detour in your life. It is orchestrated by God. The Lord stops and asks his father, when the boy is coming, how long has this been happening? I would have been saying, Lord, just heal him. I'll tell you after you heal him. I'll let you know then. But can you please heal him? The Lord pauses right there and says, how long? The father gives the answer. Lord sees the crowd coming. Lord speaks a word to the demon, tells him to leave and never to come back. We must be so careful not to minimize the power of God based on the amount of time that has elapsed in our seeking a solution. No matter what happens, we are to wait on God. I don't care what it looks like. You are to wait on God. God. The father had a great need and he was deeply troubled by what was happening with his son. But God's power is not overwhelmed by the situation that we're facing. Your situation does not overwhelm God. Your problem does not overwhelm God. Your financial burdens don't overwhelm God. God knows all things. Be faithful with the little so that when God gives you more, you'll be faithful with that. Faithfulness is not based on the abundance of what you have. Well, it's based on what you have, the little. Do you not know that many people that are faithful with the very little get more? Many people oftentimes say, I will be faithful once I get more. That's not how it works. In order to get more, you've got to be faithful with the little you've got. It's not enough to say, I only have this amount of faith. I only have this one talent. This person has 50. What are you doing with the one? Have you buried your gift? Have you buried your faith? This man says, Lord, help my unbelief. Note that this father comes on behalf of his son. His son can't, it's not seeking the Lord. It's the father seeking the Lord and seeking healing for his son. In most of the miracles, it is somebody else bringing someone to the Lord. The Lord is healing somebody based on another person's actions and response. Would you have mercy? Oftentimes, someone being brought. There are times when the person would come themselves, but oftentimes it was the Lord healing because of a need presented by someone else. Point number four, only prayer defeats demonic forces. In Mark chapter 9, verses 28 and 29, this is what it says. 
And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now in the book of Matthew, Matthew says, he says, because of your little faith. So Mark says prayer. Matthew says, because of your little faith. I want to read Mark chapter 6, verse 13. Mark six thirteen. I'll be done in a little bit. And this is what Mark six thirteen says. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. That is, the disciples. Whenever we think that by our own power we succeed, we are setting ourselves up for major disappointment. It is believed that Jesus is not referring when he says that this kind only comes out by prayer, is that he is not speaking of necessarily this particular demon. He is speaking about these type of spiritual beings, demons, period, all, all demonic forces. But the way that one reads it is if, as he's saying, oh, this one. So when do you not pray when you're encountering or dealing with the demon? Many of you don't necessarily counter deal with demons in the sense that you are aware of. But, but, but when you think about it, any type of demonic force or any type of thing that the disciples of the Lord was dealing with, it was always through prayer. So when he says this type, I used to think that it was dealing with the fact that some demons have more power. They're not all the same, which is true. But he's speaking about in this passage demons or beings. Now why was it that the disciples, when they had been given power previously by the Lord to be able to perform miracles, why were they not able to do it here? They had been sent by Jesus earlier, and they had depended upon him. Apparently, the disciples are relying on past successes rather than in God. You've got to be so very careful that when you begin to base your future trust in God based on the past. You, you need to be very careful that you don't say, I got this, when you haven't been in prayer. When you haven't spent time before the Lord in your own quiet place. The disciples are shocked. They're humiliated. They've been arguing with the, the religious leaders. The father is disappointed. They're embarrassed more than likely. And so they get to the place privately. And you'll find at least four times in the book of Mark where there is a, where they go into indoors or to a house where a question is asked or further teaching comes. And they ask the Lord, why this kind comes only out by prayer? Now, some people said, it says in another passage, by, and I'm not going to deal with this, with this much today, prayer and fasting. In almost every manuscript, it has the word fasting, that was added. The two most, it's believed, um, the two Greek manuscripts that are considered to be the best and most authentic don't have fasting. You see, fasting was believed to be something that was very special and precious. And so there was a lot of emphasis placed on fasting during the times of the Lord and even before. Fasting was very, very huge. But remember this. Remember when... 
Jesus was accosted by the religious leaders, and they said, why don't your disciples fast? So how can they fast when the bridegroom is still here? That time will come when they won't eat, but now is not the time. When you think about this particular matter here, the Lord doesn't say fasting here. He says prayer. And then he says, by your lack of faith. You see, they had began to believe in the fact, in, the, in the, this matter of being associated with Christ, having been able to have past successes, and evidently they had not been in prayer for themselves. You see, even though Jesus had spent numbers of hours with the Lord, they couldn't depend upon Jesus being the person that delivered them through his own prayer. They had to have their own relationship with God through their own prayer. He says, because of your little faith. And then he says in the passage, even if a person has faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. Well, well, wait a minute. He could say to this mountain, move from here to there. Now, he's speaking in in hyperbole. In other words, if you're not going to have Mount Tam go jump into the over into the ocean. He's talking about any particular big problem in your life, any moral problem, anything that is so big, anything you're struggling with. If your faith is in God, if it's as small as a grain of mustard seed, that faith directed in the right direction will bring about the answer. Not faith in faith. You see, there are people who got faith in faith. I just believe. Well, what are you believing in? Just, I got faith. Oh, no, 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 that's misdirected faith. It must be in God. The smallest amount. When that father says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The answer came when he was honest with the almighty God. Your faith has to be in Jesus. I don't care how small it is. When people say, I only got this little bit of faith, that's all you need. We need to stop complaining about the little bit of faith we got. What are you doing with it? Where have you put your faith? So you cannot say, I don't have enough faith, if it's as small as a little mustard seed. Sister Ruby brought a mustard seed um, to Bible study. One of the, where, is she, where are you, Sister Ruby? You brought it. Wasn't that mustard seed you brought? Or turn up some type of seed. Mustard seed? Very, very, very tiny. Don't drop it on this floor. You are not finding it. It was so tiny. But take one of those tiny mustard seeds. The Lord said that you can speak to this mountain and it has to move. Now the problem evidently is that the disciples, number there's two things. They weren't praying and they didn't have faith in Christ. Even though they had been with him, Even though they walked with him, there are nine of them and not one of them could evict the demon. Not one. And so the answer, Lord, why couldn't we? You know they are destroyed. What happened? Matthew, because of your little faith, Mark, this kind, these beings requires prayer. The reason that some of your prayers aren't answered is because you're not in prayer. The reason that you're having some difficulties is that you're not in prayer. 
I'm not just talking about being in prayer at the church when it's prayer. I'm talking about being in prayer even in your own special time. You see, the problem that these men encountered, it came when the Lord had gone up to the mountain the day before with the three disciples. And they are confronted with a serious problem. And they probably thought, yeah, we've dealt with this before. We got this. And the Lord pinpointed the problem. You see, it's not the amount of faith. Because the Lord says, I have given a measure of faith to everyone. It's where you put your faith. Where you put your faith. So the next time you are questioning your faith and having little faith, remember, the size of a mustard seed is enough to cause a mountain not a little dirt hill, a mountain to be moved and for the answer to come. It requires prayer. And it's not only talking about prayer. To, oh, Lord, I need to say right now. No, it's have you been spending time with him? Stand on your feet, please. It's a sad thing to not have parents praying for their children. But to have them subjected to the torment of Satan, to have a praying parent, is an incredible thing. It has been parents that have prayed for their children that have oftentimes kept them from unseen dangers. Parents, pray for your children. Babies, little babies, as well as your adult kids. Pray for them. Prayer, prayer. If you're not praying... Find a time to pray because that's what the Lord has called us to do. And that's how we communicate with him is through prayer. That's why only a few oftentimes are there. Not when there's great, great concerts. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. As small as a grain of mustard seed, your faith in him, taking it to him in prayer. Where is your faith? From a glorious mountaintop experience to a battle in the valley, will you be ready? Lord, we pray today that we will heed the word, the word and the word spoken here today. May our hearts be knitted to you in a new way. We pray that, God, we will take the faith that we have tossed aside, put it somewhere, and that we will put it in you. That all of our attention and direction, it will all be pointed and it will all be placed in the Almighty God. We thank you right now that you have not left us empty or not, and have not left us without a word. But you have told us what is needed. Now may we heed what you have said. We thank you today and we praise you. We glory in your mighty name. Help us, Lord, to put our faith in you. So that when we come off of the mountain into the valley, oh my God, to, 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 be, to be prepared to Fight the enemy to stand against him that our faith will be in Christ. Not in ourselves. Yes, help us to rely upon past experiences in the sense 
that it points us to Christ. But may it not be an excuse of why we haven't prayed. We honor you today and we bless you. We glorify your matchless name. Have your divine way. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.